I need to feel y'all's love this morning. Um, my husband is, is not well this morning, and so it's guess I, I I never read this in my job description ever. I didn't I didn't read it in the marriage contract either. <laughs> anyway, he kept teasing me yesterday, saying because he hadn't felt good for the last couple of days, and he kept saying, "Well, you're probably going to have to preach tomorrow," and and I I was like, "Oh, whatever." I joked with him and said I would, but then he went to bed early last night, and I went to bed about eleven o'clock, and. When I went in the bedroom, I heard him coughing and wheezing and, and couldn't breathe. And I thought, oh, my word. <laughs> so I went back in the other room and um, got his notes. <laughs> I was praising the Lord and worshiping this morning. And one of the songs says, um, and I was just worshiping Lord, just help me this morning. And, and Lord, you're all I need. You're all I need. And I thought, yeah, that's all I need. Just God and and his notes. (laughs) So if it's, um, if it's good, it's because I gave it. If it's bad, it's because he wrote it. Our scripture reading today is found in in Mark, chapter 5. (coughs) Mark, chapter 5, and we're going to read in verse 21 through 24, and then skip down 35 through 43. Mark, chapter 5, and verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Okay, let's skip down to verse number 35. When he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard um, the words that were spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be, be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw the ruler... Uh, saw. Um, a tumult of, of those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, uh, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. Let's pray this morning. Father, I just thank you for your word, Lord. 
Lord, I just thank you, O Lord, for our fathers that are here today. Lord, this is a special day as we honor them. And Lord, we want, Lord, the words um, that are spoken today, O God, to uh, go straight to the heart of our fathers, Lord, as we speak directly to them this morning. Lord, open their hearts to receive your word, and we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, most families, um, in most families, so goes the father, so goes the home. It doesn't have to be that way, but that's usually the way it is. Um, uh, most of the time when we look at this scripture, we don't think of this scripture as being a scripture that we would talk about on Father's Day. Most of the time we talk about the faith of Jairus as he uh, fought for his daughter's health and, and her healing. We, we talk about the miracles that Jesus performed. But today we're going to talk a little bit about J- Jairus in a, different, in a different way as a father. Jairus, we're going to use him as the model father. And so... Um, and by the way, um, I left all of his jokes and everything in here. So <laughs> if y'all need a cue, I'll tell you joke, and then you can laugh, okay? <clears throat> uh, there was a backwoods country preacher who stumbled onto a very dirty little boy with ragged clothes and, and matted hair. And he said, uh, hon, where, where's your father? And the preacher asked, and the little, uh, the little boy replied, well, he was hanged last week. Well, she said, he said, well, where's your mother? And he said, well, she ran off. And he said, well, where's your sister? And he said, well, she's in jail. And he said, well, is there anyone else in your family? And he said, yes, I, I have, I have a, a brother. He's at Harvard University. And the old preacher, he looked at him and he said, well, at least there's one member of your family that's doing well. Tell me, what is he studying at Harvard? And the little boy replied, nothing. They're studying him. Y'all did good. <laughs> In most homes, it, that's how, uh, it's, it's however goes the father, so goes the home. And um, we pa- our, our fathers pass it down to their children. Um, before we get a little serious here, we're gonna, I'm going to give, let's have a little fun. Uh, I'm going to help out some of the ladies a little bit today. Uh, you have a hard time understanding your man. And it seems uh, that he speaks a totally different language than you do. Sometimes it's almost like they're speaking in tongues, right? <laughs> Let me help you interpret what your man is saying. Number one, when he tells you that it would take too long to explain it, what he really means is, I really don't have a clue. <laughs> or when he says um, to you, take a break, sweetheart, you're working way too hard. What he really means is, did you mind turning the, uh, the vacuum off? I can't hear the TV. <clears throat> or when he says, that's very interesting, dear, what he really means is, why are you still talking about this same subject? <laughs> when he says, can I help you with dinner? Usually it's saying, I'm starving to death. Why isn't dinner ready yet? <laughs> Or if he says, don't, don't fuss over, the, he doesn't want you to fuss over some little cut that he has. No big deal, he says. What he's really saying is, I think I've probably severed a limb and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bleed to death before anybody does anything about it. But I, I'd like to add that I think he's really saying, I want my mommy. <laughs> These are tough guys. These are tough guys. When he says, I can't find it, what he really means is, I don't want to get up from this recliner to go look for it. Amen, ladies? 
when your man says, you look fine, come on, let's go, what he's really saying is, don't try on one more outfit, I'm starving to death, let's go. <clears throat> or when, or this is a good one when he says, what color, is, uh, what color is this? He wants a straight answer. He wants either black, white, uh, red, yellow, blue. He doesn't want the color peach. He says peach is a fruit. Um, he doesn't want uh, the, uh, the color pumpkin because pumpkin's a fruit. And he sure does, he has no, absolutely no idea what taupe means. <laughs> what color is taupe? They have no clue, right? Anyway, we, as we look at our text today, like I said, this is not a scripture that we would normally talk about as being a scripture to study for Father's Day. But um, today is Father's Day, and we want to, to preach on Father's Day. We want to mis- minister to our fathers. And by the way, my husband loves to preach on Father's Day because besides his Lord and besides me, uh, his kids and his grandkids are his j- greatest joy. And uh, he loves being a father, and he loves being a pawpaw. And he has, um, down through the years, he has built three churches, and he's preached in seven, eight, eight different countries and in over 200 churches in all of America. And, but when you ask him what is his greatest success in life, it has been, and he will tell you that his greatest success is his two children. They are his greatest success. He loves being a dad. You see, children love their mamas, but they take direction from their dads. Dad gives them direction. A lot of times it seems like on Mother's Day we will ooh and ah over our mothers and we will just, we'll just, um, just cherish our mothers and ooh and ah over them. And then when it comes down, down to Father's Day, we want to smack them around a little bit and say, this is the way you're supposed to do it, you know? And so today, um, because dad, it's because dad is the key to the home. He is the priest of the family. So goes the father, so goes dad, so goes the home. This is a very serious topic. If you'll really look close and read between the lines in our text, you're going to discover that Jairus has some very positive qualities as a father. You can learn several things about him. There are, are several things that I want to point out to you this morning about Jairus, okay? Number one, the first thing I want to, to point out about Jairus is that He did not let pride get in his way. You know, men are programmed uh, for pride. Uh, uh, He's he's taught to take care of himself, and he's taught to take care of his family. He's taught um, to think or to even say his motto is, I don't need anyone or anything. Uh, He's taught to be tough. He's taught to be unbreakable. Um, You know, if if you've ever watched a man with his daughter when she falls down and hurts herself, well, the man, the father will pick up that little girl and he'll hug her and say, oh, it's okay. It's going to be okay. It's all right. But you let that little boy fall down and he'll say, oh, man, get up. You're tough. You can do it. You can take it. Get up from there. Dry those tears. You're not hurt. You're tough. You can do it. Don't big boys don't cry. Right? Men are programmed from the time they were little bitty to be tough and to have pride. Because of pride, men will say um, that all is well when actually they could be dying on the inside. They don't want to appear weak or they don't want to appear needy. Uh, They're taught to be tough. And because of pride, a man will drive around for hours and hours looking (laughs) for wherever it is he's going because even if it makes him late, Because he doesn't want to admit that he's lost. Because of pride, 
A man will try to put something together without reading the directions. Raise your hand, men. <laughs> but rather than, um, um, he says, I can do this. But rather than read the directions, he says, I can do this. But we can learn from Jairus because Jairus didn't let pride get in his way. His daughter was dying. And desperate situations call for desperate actions. In verse number 41, he says, um, the Bible says that he seeks out Jesus. He falls at his feet. He begs Jesus to come home with him and to heal his daughter. He, he, no doubt he's crying. You can imagine how you would be feeling if, you're, if it was your daughter and you were seeking help. I believe he was probably crying. He was probably very emotional. The, uh, the text says that there was a multitude of people around. We don't know how many. It could have been hundreds that was there watching him as he fell at his feet crying and begging for his daughter's life. He didn't care. He just humbled himself. He fell at the feet of Jesus and he pleaded. He didn't let pride get in his way. How about you, dad? Do you allow pride to stand in your way? Would you get saved? But there's that pride issue. Because if you got saved, you would have to admit that you can't save yourself. Or you'd have to humble yourself and you'd have to throw yourself on the mercy of God. Or maybe you're saved, but it's pride that keeps you from really worshiping and praising God when you come to the house of God. It's pride that holds you back from lifting your hands or from praying too loud or from getting emotional. It's pride that stands in your way. Or how about this? Would you love on and admonish And affirm your children if it wasn't for pride standing in your way. You know, I've I've seen a lot of men who had too much pride to say I love you to their children. Do you let pride stand in your way? There's a world famous, um, you know this is my husband's illustration because he's a golfer. But the world famous professional golfer, Arnold Palmer, he wrote this in his autobiography. He says, I won four green jackets, claimed three claret jugs, whichever, whatever that is. Do you all know what that is? <laughs> from, the, from the British Open, and I won a U.S. Open trophy and countless other awards. But the award I wanted most, I never got. It was my father's approval. He said, I really burned inside to receive even the simplest compliment from my father. But it never came. He says, I was the man, he was the man I most admired in the world. I wanted his approval more than any other. How about you, Dad? Are you giving your kids what they want more than any other thing in life? Are you giving them your approval and your affirmation? Let me pause for just a moment to say uh, a word to those of you who maybe never had a father or never had a father in the home. I was one of those. My father left when I was uh, about 18 months old, and I've only seen or even known him Uh, I've only seen him about four or five, six times in my whole life. And so I was one of those people who never had a father to affirm me or never had a father to give me approval. My father doesn't even know much about my life right now. And so I want to tell you that uh, in Psalms chapter 27, the scripture has been important to me because it says in 27 verse 10, it says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. And so let the Lord be your father. God can be to you the father that you've never had or the father that you've always wanted. Okay, let's notice the second thing 
that uh, in our text that Jairus did correctly. Number two, he had his priorities right. In verse uh, number 41, it says there came a man named Jairus and he fell at Jesus' feet. Notice this. He didn't send his wife. He didn't send his wife. He didn't send one of his servants. He wasn't too busy with business. He wasn't too busy with his favorite hobby. He went himself. This was something important. He had his priorities right. This was his daughter that was sick. He went himself. And the Bible says he fell at the feet of Jesus. A pastor uh, saw one of his church members on Monday morning after church on, after, uh, church on Sunday. And the pastor said, Fred, he said, you weren't in church yesterday. What were you doing? Were you out playing golf yesterday instead of being in the Lord's house? Well, this kind of made Fred mad. And he said, no, I wasn't playing golf on Sunday, preacher. And I have five very nice bass to prove it. We can learn from Jairus. He had his priorities straight. His family was number one. Uh, he knew what was going on in his home. Uh, I, I've heard this. I've heard many men say to their wives, say, you manage our life. You manage the home. You manage the kids. And I'll make a living. You know what? That's not the way it's supposed to be. Our, our fathers are supposed to be involved with the home and involved with their children and involved with what's going on. Uh, he, Jairus made family at the top of his lift. He, he lists, and he was involved himself. He went looking for Jesus. Uh, I, I have to repeat something that's been said over and over again. It's very, very important, Dad. Make your chi- children, make your kids a priority. Go to their functions. Go to their ball games. Go to their recitals. Go to the things uh, that are important to them. Be a part of their life. Be a part of the things that matter to them. If it matters to them, it should matter to you. Those things are important. If you don't do that, I promise you, you're going to spend the rest of your life regretting it or the rest of your life trying to make up for the fact that you didn't. Let them be a part. uh, uh, They're not your number one priority. Right under God, let your family and your children be your number one priority. If you want them to come home when they're adults and you want them to come home and bring their grandkids to visit, then you better make them a priority in your life right now. You better have that connection with them where they're going to want to be your friend after they're moved out of the house and moved out of the home. Develop a relationship with them as kids. Give them good childhood memories. You know, give them something good to, you know, give them something good to remember back those vacations where they fought with their brother or sister in the back seat all the way there and all the way home. You know, and make sure you give them something that they can look back on. Um, love being a father. Love being uh, what God has called you to be as a father of the home. Make home as fun as you can and still ret- retain some order in it. You know, like the guy with the duct tape. You know, let, let fun ha- home be fun but and still remain, uh, have some order to it, but let it be fun. Make some memories. Uh, my husband loves being a pastor, and he loves the ministry, but his kids will tell you that he, he never placed his ministry above his family, and I'm so glad that he didn't. Okay, the next thing that we can look at Jairus and, and, and um, liken it to us as a father, he presented his need. In verse number 23, the Bible says that, um, that he describes the seriousness of the situation, and he begs Jesus to help his daughter. 
He begs Jesus. He, he, he tells the Lord all about it. I mean, he just actually lays it out there. Lord, my daughter's dying. And he lays it at the Lord's feet. I wonder how many of you fathers pray for your children. Did you know that if you, you don't pray for your children, who is? Have you ever thought of that? If you're not praying for your son or your daughter, who is praying for them? You think someone else in the church is calling their name every day in prayer? Probably not. Maybe occasionally. But if you're not praying for them, who is? Make them a priority in your prayer. Do you take your family to Jesus in prayer? Nearly every single day, I hear my husband take me and Chad and Krista and their spouses and their kids and his parents and my parents. Nearly every day, I hear him pray those prayers. Not only that, he prays over his, his uh, staff and his board. Nearly every day, I hear him pray over the over these people and i'm telling you i'm so thankful i think that a lot of the reason that god has blessed my kids and blessed me is because my husband's been praying for them ever since i can remember i used to go we used to come to prayer meetings we used to have prayer meetings on saturday night and i used to uh, during the middle of the prayer meeting well i would always i would be in the back of the church and my husband would be down here in the front and he prays so loud i mean he brings like the house down when he prays and and sometimes i would be list, just listening to him i you know you try to pray but it's very distracting when when you have somebody um, thinking the Lord is deaf. And so, so I would sometimes get up from where I was and I'd come up and I'd say, Honey, can you please pray a little quieter? No one else can pray because all we can do is listening to you, you know? And so, uh, but you know what? It meant something special to me. And I, it, it is something special to my heart to realize that how many times I heard my husband call my name in prayer and how many times I heard him pray and say, God, give my wife and my children favor and give them blessing. God, give my wife uh, um, a special walk with you. Anoint her. God, give her health and give her healing. How many, uh, how awesome is that to be able to hear um, my name and my kids' names lifted before the Lord? Fathers, do you pray? D- Dad, you are, you are the priest of your family. You are the spiritual leader that God has ordained and put as the head of that family. If you're not praying for them, who is? Who is? Do your kids see you read the Bible? Do they see you read the Bible? Do they see you pray? You know, one of the things that, that I did, and I know my husband, I, and he said several times that he's kind of regretted that most of his study time was at the church in the office. Most of his study time and his prayer time was at the church and in the office. And even when my kids were little, I remember I used to have my devotion and my prayer time when they were taking a nap. And now I kind of regret, I, I kind of wish that I had, had let that my study, my prayer time be when they were watching me do it. So that they could see, dads, you need to study and you need to pray. Make yourself approved unto God and do it in front of your kids so that they will see as a witness and a testimony. Remember, kids love their mamas, but they take direction from their dad. They take direction from their dad. Number four, the fourth thing that we can get from Jairus is that he proclaimed his faith. In verse number 23, it says, Come and lay your hand on her that she may be healed, and she will live. He proclaimed his faith. He said that she may be healed, and she will live. Do this, God, so that this will happen. 
Do you want your, do you want your kids to hear from you? What do they hear from you, dads? Do they hear you proclaim your doubts? Or do they hear you proclaim your faith? I remember hearing my husband give an illustration one time about a a man who um, was a farmer. And he had lots of crops. And it was the whole livelihood of their family was the crops. And uh, one year they had a devastating storm, a devastating hailstorm. And the hail came and it wiped out all of his crops. And when the storm was passed, the little boy said that he walked out into the field with his dad to inspect the damages. And he said he, he waited and he watched his dad to see what kind of reaction his dad would give to the fact that his whole crop had been destroyed. And he said that as they walked through that field, his old farmer daddy began to sing this song with tears running down his face. Rock of ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. What kind of testimony is that? What kind of testimony is that when all of your crops are wiped out and you have nowhere to go and yet you're turning to the Lord because he is your strength and he is your refuge? What kind of testimony is that for your children? Dads, what kind of testimony are you showing? Are you proclaiming your faith to them or are you proclaiming your doubts? Jairus said to Jesus, he said, if you'll come and you'll lay your hand on her, she will live. Number one, we learned that pride, from Jairus, we learned that pride didn't get in his way. We learned that he had his priorities right. We learned that he presented his need to Jesus. And number four, we learned that he proclaimed his faith. And next, we learned that Jairus pressed through his doubts. Now, all of us have doubts in our life. In verse 35 and, uh, through 40, Jairus is given plenty of reasons to doubt. First of all, the people came from his house and they told him the news that his daughter's dead. Well, that would be, that's enough right there, right, to give you doubt. Your da- forget it, your daughter's dead, there's nothing you can do. And secondly, he, when he gets home, the mourners are outside of his house already weeping because she's dead. And then third, when Jesus says that his daughter's only asleep and, he'll take, and that he's going to wake her up, well, everyone begins to ridicule. And say, what are you talking about? That can't happen. Jairus had every right in the natural to lose hope, but he didn't. He pressed through his doubts. Listen, the family only loses hope if daddy loses hope. They only lose hope if daddy is. As long as daddy has hope, as long as dad has faith, the family will take their cue from him. In Mark chapter 9 um, is a story of another father who brings his child to Jesus. And this time it's a son, and this son is demon-possessed. And Jesus tells him, he says, if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. And the man looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, I believe. Please help my unbelief. Help me. There's Part of me believes and part of me doesn't believe. And God can help you press through your doubts. Every one of us, if we're honest, will say that there have been ta- times that we had doubts. And everyone struggles with doubt every once in a while. It's okay that you don't have perfect faith. That's okay. It's okay that you struggle with doubt. Just keep struggling. Don't, don't give up. Don't give in to those doubts. Just struggle through them. And the Lord will help you with those doubts. And the last thing I want us to look at to, 
today um, as we look at Jairus' life is the fact that he produced Jesus in his home. He brought Jesus home with him. He brought him home with him. Fellas, do you bring the Lord home with you? Too many times we come to church and we just leave God here when we go home. We just go home. It's okay uh, to come to church, and we, we like to come to church, and we like to be in the house of God, but it's okay, too, that uh, when, we, when we leave, we just leave him here. It's, uh, it, God is great for Sunday morning, but we don't need him any other time. Jairus brought Jesus home with him. Does Jesus live at your house? Does he eat with you? Does he watch TV with you? Or would he have to get up and go in the other room? Because of what you watch. What's the atmosphere like in your home? Does the Lord feel comfortable there? Dad, what are you allowing in your home? You wouldn't, let, you wouldn't stand by and let a man break into your home and steal from you, and yet many a dad would let Satan in their home through ungodly music or pornography or even witchcraft. Men, what are you allowing into your home? No dad would stand by and watch their child be raped, and yet Satan rapes or molests uh, many children through what they watch on TV or what they surf on the Internet. They lose their innocence by the things they're watching on TV. Dads, what are you allowing? What are you allowing to come into your home? Do you take Jesus home with you? You, you cannot make your children serve God, but you can make your home a godly home. You can't make them. You know, I remember as a, a, a kid, in, I, I grew up in church. My mom played the organ, and she always set me on the front row. And uh, anytime I acted up, she'd snap her fingers. I could hear her snap her fingers above all the music, above anything else. When my mom snapped her fingers, I heard it, and she would just point at me or just give me a look. I didn't have, she didn't have to point, just give me a look. And she directed me with her eye. And I have no idea where I was going with that. Oh, I know. I was going to say that you can't make your children serve God. You can't. But my mom, uh, every time it was time for an altar call, she would say, get down here and pray. And I would be like, I don't want to pray. Well, she couldn't make me pray, but she could make me kneel. You know? You can't make your kids serve God. But you can make your home a godly home. Make your home a godly Do you take Jesus home with you? Get rid of anything in your home that would keep Jesus out. Let me say that again. Get rid of anything that's in your home that would keep the Lord out. He won't have any part of evil. He won't have any part of sin. Remember, dads, in, in conclusion, I just want to remind you that kids love their mamas. They love me the most. (laughs) But they take direction from their daddies. They take direction. They follow in their father's footsteps. They love their mamas, but they take direction from... What What an awesome responsibility, men, that you have on your shoulders. As you... And it doesn't stop when your kids are grown. Your kids still look to you even after they're grown fathers. They still look to you for direction in their life. Let's just review one more time what we've learned from Jairus. Number one, we've learned that pride didn't get in his way. He didn't let it stop. He humbled himself to fall at Jesus' feet. 
And number two, he had his priorities right. He didn't send someone else to fight for his daughter's life. He went himself. Number three, he presented his need to the Lord. He told him exactly what he needed from him. Number four, he proclaimed his faith. Come and do this for me, Lord, so that my daughter will live. He proclaimed his faith. Number five, he pressed through his doubts. He had every reason to doubt that the Lord would do this for him because his daughter was already dead. He pressed through his doubts. And number six, he produced Jesus in his home. He brought Jesus home with him. Fathers, I hope that you will take this message to heart this morning. It's Father's Day. It's a special day. Sometimes we tend to, to beat up on the dads, but I hope you don't feel too beat up on today. I hope you will take um, the word, um, my husband's word, a little bit of mine added in with it, um, and, and know that your responsibility is great as you fight for your children, not just fight for their life, but you fight for their soul. And you pray for them and you stand in the hedge. You stand in the gap to make up the hedge so that they can be Christians and so that they can know the Lord. I want us to bow our heads this morning and I want us to pray over the words that were spoken. I want um, every father here this morning, I want you to take these words to heart. I hope that, that you'll take it home with you. I hope that you remember it. Father, I just pray to your Lord that for every father that's here, Lord, We love them and we appreciate them. God, I pray you would make them the father that you want them to be, Lord. Lord, you ordained for them to be the priest of their home, Lord. You ordained for them to give direction, Lord, to their home, their children, their wives, Lord. We thank you for their life. God, I pray that something that was spoken here this morning, dear Lord, would go straight to their heart, Lord Jesus. And as we celebrate this wonderful day with our fathers, Lord, I pray for your blessing and your anointing on each one of them. And we praise you for it, Father. Amen.